Welcome to the pod, everyone. A shout out to SGS. Hey, Rusty, why are we uh, partnering with SGS? Uh, uh, some, some, some good people there. Pretty excited about their sports coaching courses and sports courses. Keen to make them industry ready so when people leave, they're able to go and transfer it to any kind of industries, coaching, teaching, being an analyst, business, whatever it might be. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty exciting times, really. So what's so special about their degree courses that others won't be doing? I think it'll be lots of uh, real good partnerships, uh, opportunities for people to, to get into different contexts and learn and practice. It'll be feel very applied. People will be stretched and supported and will leave you know, ready to just go and thrive in the uh, big old world out there. SGS College is the home of Bristol's higher education sports programmes. The programmes are designed to develop unique, innovative and creative sports practitioners ready for industry. Do you want to be a coach or teacher of the future? Start your journey here at SGS College and become more than just a graduate. Visit sgscol.ac.uk to apply now. As we're recording. Yeah. Uh, mate, uh, John Glaccio, uh, uh, welcome to the pod. How are you, mate? I'm good, pal. Uh, really good. Sun is shining in southwest London. It's uh, it's lovely. So if there's a bit of lawnmower noise in the background, that's our groundsman whizzing up and down with his... Um, looks like he's just about to unpar a cricket match, to be honest. But I'm good, mate. You? Yeah, I'm cool. And by groundsman, you mean at, at Richmond Rugby Club, not your own grounds in your own house. I, I, I don't own a, a, <laughs> a turf big enough in southwest London to, to be able to afford to pay somebody to come and cut my grass. No, uh, very much Richmond Rugby Club yet. Um, come off the back of the strangest of seasons, obviously, with our championship team playing. Uh, got the mantle of coming bottom. But... Um, yeah, we used it very much as a, a mechanism in which to look at a lot, a load of players we'd signed and we had, didn't play any rugby. 40 weeks of training up to their first fixture, longest pre-season ever. Um, Try to operate in COVID-secure bubbles with part-time players. You know, and all these, I mean, I, I had a medical here, Michelle Cuthbert, I've got to, I've got to give her a bit of a, because I know, her husband Cuth listens to Magic Academy, so I am going to reference her for her amazing work. I mean, she did; she's the busiest person at the club, anyway. But with COVID, oh, surprised she hasn't had a breakdown. To us. But um, no, it's cool, man. It's good. And then you know, schools were so I run our community program. Um, bit of a quirky setup. I'm employed by a company called Community Group, who have the contract to run the community department at Richmond. So. Um, the outside world's perspective is very much, you know, I am Richard Rugby Club running their schools programme, running overseeing their mini and juniors on a Sunday. So amazing team of volunteers like you get at every rugby club who are, uh, you know, to varying degrees, you know, um, very, you know, very well organised, uh, very positive. And then, um, yeah, mate, we're, 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 in a, we're in a good spot as a club, albeit financially it's been very tough. That's everybody, isn't it, in the world? The way the, way, the, way the year's been. Yeah, mate. Well, look, and, and awesome for you to jump on. And uh, the last time I saw you, it wasn't too long ago, we were in a car, sat in traffic in London. We were. I'll never forget um, <laughs> the thought of being in traffic in London. Um, 
Yeah, mate, and I was just really keen to get you on to chat about all the stuff you do. So it's like, and you've alluded to it already, but some the connection with Richmond. Uh, we went and did some of the Fulham School for Boys the other day. We, me and you have been in a Feltham Young Offenders, a, a, an event I will not forget. I know you've been doing a lot of stuff during lockdown around getting computers into schools for kids and just yeah. generally like, just generally helping people. And I guess without going into too much kind of like what's, what's got you to this point. So that you're, you're doing. Uh, clearly, clearly with, 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 so let's talk about, so I've been at the club since 2017. Richmond's motivation to have sort of community engagement was really, they're a grassroots, they're a grassroots rugby club. Like every other rugby club in the country, albeit on the men, you know, on the, the senior side, they're playing up in level two. We're in level one with the, with, with the uh, with the women's team, and um, it was about driving more engagement towards the schools in the borough and more relevantly state school participation. Um, because a lot a lot of rugby clubs, the demographic between kids who go to private school and, and, and state school was was skewed. But because of where we are in the leafy suburbs of London, you know, the, the disparity of I think it was something like almost 75, 25 states, sorry, private school kids to state school kids at the club. And they, they were losing age groups under 14, under 15, under 16. When all the schools turn around and go, no more club rugby, you're playing 18 Saturday against whoever, da, da, da. And, um, and that's a yeah, correct decision because it's player welfare. So we, we, we've spent quite a lot of time engaging with our local state schools. And I'm pleased and very proud to say we're going into our fifth season or fifth academic year. And our key partner schools locally are still, we're doing more than we ever have done previously. So that's just us going in, running in everything from a year seven after school rugby club through to running first 15s for a couple of state schools. That, so that's really exciting. That's, um, we, we link up with the team. The team we, we've, we've in fact had some of the teachers come over here and coach the kids as well. So there's a, and then we do match day activities and, coaching masterclasses and using players to go out into the schools to, to engage. So because of the unique setup we've got here with a part-time playing um, squad, there's a lot of lads and, and girls who are over in London, play rugby to as high a standard as possible, earn some money doing something else on top of their, 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 their rugby money. And um, so as a community department, we, we've got a team that most of our, most of our coaches are, are, are players who are playing at champ level or, or, or close to it. So that's that. But then going into the other stuff we did. So we, you know, listen, my, my motivation about community rugby has been about taking the greater good of our sports to, to wider communities. And that's, that's, and how does that look? Different, different ways of engaging with other people out there. So you talked about the prison. So that's youth offenders Institute, which is under, there's, there's two cohorts in there, under 18s, which are considered the juvenile estate, and then 18 to 21s, which are the youth estate. So 18 to 21s, they're adults, they can do more things than the kids can do in there because they don't have to be in education. The younger guys in there have to be in a classroom. You know, imagine the demographic of somebody who's 15, 16, ended up in prison for whatever they've done, and it's generally quite serious stuff. But they're in there and they have to go into a classroom every day. Loads of, loads of kids from gangs in there. So they can't, rival gangs who hate each other, can't, those, those kids can't be in the same areas of the prison and all sorts of logistical challenges. So what we do when we go in there, we basically give them a, a bit of a blast out on a Wednesday morning, two hours S&C, 
plays some rugby. They love the contact. You you saw it. Um, everyone's assumption is you're going to be having fist fights every week. It couldn't be further from the truth, mate. Do you remember? I, I remember it really well. Um, and, and, and the stuff that I remember is like I remember standing in the park, car park after I left, thinking, "Thank God you're going in." Like I, <clears throat> I think it didn't feel like there was that much help for people in there. Uh, the second thing I remember really vividly is like, I don't know if you remember, but like it was uneven teams. And then the person who was the most alpha there realized the teams were uneven. And then I thought there was going to be a fist fight, um, <clears throat> but it was, it was really cold. I think there was snow on the ground. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, I remember just, cause I guess it's like, and, <clears throat> and this is probably something I'm really interested in. Like it's, it's choices, isn't it? Like my favorite book is, two favourite books, Sapiens and, and The Other Way's More. And it's like you meet some people who aren't like helpful or good for you and you end up making some poor choices and, and, and you end up there. Right. And I can't remember if it was you that told me, but I think it's in Holland that they, they would connect you with a sporting club first before they incarcerated you. Yeah. It's the other way around. So I guess like I'm really interested in like the – yeah, the project and what you've so, seen. Yeah, the, the, the project in Holland is called Project Turnover and actually operating not, not far from where we are at Staines Rugby Club. And we spoke to them fairly early doors when they were trying to get into the UK. So the judicial system in Holland, you get a local court, you get a local judge and they'll give a, a young person an, a, an opportunity to, to do, but rather than put them into the system, which costs the taxpayer about in England about 120 grand a year, They'll say, well, listen, you, if you commit to something, and if it's sport, whatever it may be, and you give something back to your local community and you actually become a better person as a result of that engagement, well, you can go down that road rather than being incarcerated. And they, But they have to complete that. It's a 12-month long programme. I mean, it's, it's, you know, and it's quite intense. It's 20 hours a week, whatever it is. So, and clearly the most extreme crimes, you know, your violent crime and everything else, they, they, they don't give that option, but... But in, in, in the UK, it's, yeah, what you said, you come out and you look at the statistics and mate, it, it is absolutely jaw-dropping. The re-offending rate in youth custody in, in the UK is over 80%. So 80% of those kids who go into the system, under 20 grand a year, will go back in. And it's a, it's a, a cycle which is so difficult to break. So it, what we do is we go in and we, we're out, being outsiders the ratios are really tight as you saw this we have two coaches two members of the gym staff there a dozen maybe 15 lads um it's down to them whether they turn up or not so you saw them on a cold icy morning there's only about eight of them because obviously three or four of them decided they didn't want to do it that morning but um but the outcomes are when they come out we say to them look there's sports clubs are very a very positive environment and Speaking with our rugby hats on, rugby clubs are a very positive environment where no one's going to judge you. You're not going to, you know, yeah, we've all been there. When you play, if you, when you play rugby at a at a grassroots level, especially, when was that? When did you ever have that conversation with somebody going, "Oh, what do you do for a living?" Or what did you just you rock up? You're another guy playing rugby or a girl. You, you've got a common identity wearing that shirt, and off you go. And um, it's only once you build those relationships you get to find out what people do for a living. Now. With those kids, we, we they, they, they look, we've got no kids who have come out into the Richmond borough or close to us, so they, they come out from all over the south of England. Three years we've been in there, 
we've had two positive outcomes where the lads haven't reoffended. But that is too, you know, that, it's certainly a higher percentage than the percentage of lads we've engaged with versus the reoffending rate. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, a touch wood, neither have reoffended. Both, all are still playing rugby, albeit obviously COVID's been a bit of a challenge for that. And we remain in contact with them. One's in Portsmouth, one's in Gravesend, and, and look, listen, and we hopefully there'll be more. Well, then also, so we then we we, we could, then got approached by the Met Police saying, rugby, we like it. You know, it gives kids an outlet. You know, the rugby values. Do you want to work with us with some crime prevent stuff? We went, all right, yeah. What's that look like then? And then next thing you know, we're running a we're just about to launch with the MCC Foundation Cricket. So. It's an all-year-round programme, um, going to some primary schools, because the, the the gang grooming now goes on at year seven at, pri- at secondary school is the key year. Go from primary school into secondary school, so 11-year-old kids, that's when all the bad boys at school then start recruiting for their gangs. And mate, again, it's just you start looking at the detail, it's, it's quite jaw-dropping. And um, so that's all about re-education, about the risks of those conversations at big school for those kids, but attaching a bit of, you know, some fun sport to it. And it's amazing when you get kids who relax into a fun sporting environment, then open up about other stuff as well. So our, our coaches have had to be upskilled to actually understand some of this behaviours, make sure they're aware of, you know, men, you know teen, or t- teenage mental health or kids' mental health, because um, that, that could be a big factor in kids not, not engaging at school and stuff like that. Um, so we've got a team of coaches, not only the rugby coaches, they're, they're, they've got mental health first aid, resilience training through guys who've got, who are expert with dealing with gangrene and everything else. So, yeah, listen, mate, we, we never set out to do this sort of stuff, but it, it's open doors, having a community programme, and it, and it can be done anywhere in the country, really. Um, if you've got the... If, if, if clubs invest in a community programme, I almost guarantee it will fruit... Positive outcomes we spoke about, but also from a from a you know a cost of that to a, a grassroots rugby club, it's it, it's not that difficult to get to the point where it covers its own you know uh, costs and everything else. So yeah, it's it's really it's been really interesting and, and been allowed to crack on to do what 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 I've wanted to a certain extent has been you know a real pleasure. Um, I've got three- a few, um, I've got a few kind of observations, and then I've got a couple of questions. So observations are like. To be fair to Richmond, I actually think you're probably the highest placed, let's call it a community club, some people might disagree with me, in the country. So actually a place where you've got multiple teams, lots of people are playing for the fun of it. You've got a large and healthy junior section. You've got all the aspects of a, of, a, of, a, of what I would say is a community club. Yeah. Second, second thing is like, fascinating, isn't it? I mean, we were chatting beforehand about like how unaware we both were in our kind of 20s. And yet, yeah. you know, some of those boys were boys, like yeah. way less aware than, you know, they're, they're being forced on making choices that they just don't, lots of them just don't understand. Like, I just remember leaving feeling like, I felt gutted if I'm honest. The last observation is like, like you are helping people belong. So that kind of, team spirit of a, of a rugby team and having your yeah. peers with you and good people around you and that support network to help you is exactly what 
will help people. Um, I had three questions. First question was like, um, I mean, I'm, and I'm sure I know why, having spent time with you, like, why are you doing this job? Um, what am I doing? So I listen. I, I played rugby as a kid. My my my. I'm half Spanish. I'm not Italian. Everyone thinks I'm Italian. It's got I O on the end. It's not Italian. It's Spanish. So my dad's Spanish. He was he was a you know my my family Spanish. So he came over in the fifties. My dad. So this is and uh, rural Gloucestershire. So I was born in Cheltenham originally and grew up in Tewkesbury, the town of Tewkesbury. Um, and then to, on to Worcester, but so my dad, my dad's basically an immigrant, come into the country at the age of ten years old, got put into a state school in Gloucestershire, couldn't speak any English. His name's Diego. He wasn't Diego for very long. He became James very quickly <laughs> to anglicise himself. And he ended up. To the, I'll get to the point about why I'm doing what I'm doing. So he found rugby, and he played for Cheltenham Rugby Club, and he played with a couple of internationals at the time. People like Phil Blake, little boys are definitely ever seen about it, but. Anyway, fast forwarding. So I played, he was my rugby coach as a kid. But, you know, I went through a career, left school, worked, worked, um, I'm a qualified engineer, never done it for a living. Um, had a long career in, in, the, in, the, in the motor industry, retail motor industry. Uh, lots of money, drove some very nice flash cars. Talked about our 20-somethings, about me arguing with why my counterpart in Manchester had a, 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 a BMW 330 rather than I had a 325. What, what an idiot. Anyway, and then... Went through the, the whole sort of period of financial crash, you know, the late, say, 2008, 2009. Went through a divorce, had to reevaluate what I was doing. Uh, two young kids, so I basically co-parented my kids for a couple of years. Had 50, virtual 50-50 custody. So I hated the car business. Is there all the stereotypes that people tell you about with a second-hand car salesman? It's just you couldn't trust anyone. <laughs> it was just sort of so opposite to, to rugby valleys, you know what I mean? It was just sort of, you know, people having you over for a few hundred pounds here. If you're, in terms of, you know, buying a, this is a second-hand car market, it's mad, you know. Anyway, wait to dwell on that. Um, made a life choice around my kids to start doing some part-time community, uh, sorry, not in communication. So I, I worked for Rugby Tots. Um, I worked for a, a local agricultural college. I had a load of farming boys trying to play some rugby. I was a coach, uh, volunteered at my local rugby club down in, living in Kent at the time, down in Tunbridge Wells. Need to reference Tunbridge Wells Rugby Club. I wouldn't be here today as I wouldn't for a few bods in there. You know, it, pushing me on and, you know, and, and get, so I was that dad on a sat Sunday coaching, but I took it, decided to take some part-time work doing it. School holidays, worked for Saris, did some work with them. Still got some great mates from there. Um, and then ended up, Let's fast forward a little bit with waiting to do some stuff for Quinns uh, with the Hitch projects in South London and some of the PRL projects around, you know, impacting communities where they haven't historically played rugby. Worked on a, so it was like an inner London school development coach. So I worked in some of the tough boroughs in London. So based in Wandsworth, we worked in Lambeth, Croydon, Southwark, um, getting state school kids. But ultimately, what the Premiership clubs are after is that next superstar, the kid who 99% of them want to be the next Premiership footballer. But at the next tier down, they're going, well, where can we, where can we, where's this kid who isn't going to make it as a footballer, but he, he might make it as a batter, he might make it as a winger. You know, so that was their underlying motivation of these projects, I think, as well as taking the ethics of rugby 
so that was that really and it was it was you know um i sort of like fell into it and got busier and busier and being an ex-car salesman, I've you know got a little bit not a gift for the gab, but I got I get on with people quite quickly. I think I think I can find the motion of people relatively quickly as well. So that includes kids. Um, had a great experience with with that Queen's job. With it, we're based at a school in Tooting called Ernest Bevan College, and it was ninety percent ethnic minority intake, all boys. The it's the school in the borough which no kid wants to go to. Uh, they all want to go down the road where uh, Cole Sinclair went, Graveney. Everyone talks about Cole's sort of, you know, urban upbringing. He actually went to quite a nice state school. I just love, you know, they hated Ernest Bevan College. You've gone to Ernest Bevan College. If you, if, you, if you watch this and listen to this, Cole, remember the conversations we had about Ernest Bevan College, mate. We're back in the Queen's days. Anyway, um, what we, anyway, the end of three years, we had 100, over 130 kids after school rugby clubs, year seven, eight, nine, ten. And Battersea Ironside coaches coming in and helping out. It was the engagement was amazing. But I was allowed the freedom within that school environment to take kids out of non-core curricular subjects, so art or music or RE, and actually go and play some rugby games to get to the schools. And we used it in a positive way to say, if you engage in a school, which will better yourself and give you the best opportunity to get educated, you'll be allowed privileges within school to be able to go and play some rugby. And I had kids, and I have a kid on report, and he would be a great rugby player, bit of a bit, uh, bit bigger lad. So he's year, year eight, so he's 12, 13, imposing himself on other kids under the school. It's on report, bad report. Oh, and why not? I, I remember putting teams up on the notice board and then coming on. Ah, oh. and they, they were allowed to call me Dom, it wasn't Mr. Palacio, it was or Sir. Or, Dom, why am I in the team? I said, well, I've. You know, yeah, head of year eight said you had a you flicked a kid around the ear in, in history last week or on Tuesday or whatever it may be. Uh, you were fighting in the playground. Um, that's, you know you know the gig. You cut, if you do that, you cut, you're not in. It was so powerful, honestly, so massively powerful. And that's I and listen. I'm talking about concepts of rugby. You could clearly do this with any sport. Um, so I really struggled with the. PE not being on the curriculum, um, I really do. Uh, I think it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a huge. I think the government are starting to wake up about it. Um, I personally think it's a big failure. I think you, if you attach sport to behaviours in school, you have some really amazing outcomes. You really do. Yeah, I agree. And again, like shout out to Batsy Ironsides, and I mean again, like that connection between clubs and the schools. And in some places, I'm thinking. It's not that helpful, whereas actually to get some of the clubs, coaches going in and helping support the teachers, which actually led on to my second question. So obviously I'm aware you do quite a bit of work around kind of upskilling the coaches. Like what's the yeah. what's the stuff you're doing there? Hey, will you tell everyone what you're up to at Core 37? Hi, Fletch. We're a teamwear brand based in the northeast, and we're the sister company of Oddballs. We've got the largest sports sublimation factory in the UK and we've produced for the biggest brands in Europe over the past seven years. But with Core 37, our in-house brand, you can now access those prices direct to the customer. Why would people use Core 37? Uh, if I was to pick three flesh, it would be our lead time of three to four weeks, our price, which is lower than anybody else in the industry, and the fact that we're made here in the UK. What's the stuff you're most proud of with Core 37? Uh, there's loads of stuff, but the, the key one for me would be working for a company that, that genuinely believes in its own mission statement. 
which is to produce performance sportswear at an affordable price. And then underpinning that is the people, everybody who works here is involved in grassroots sport in some way. And so we generally care about what we're doing here. Fletch, why do you want to partner with Core 37? Uh, apart from the fact you're a Geordie, uh, great people, uh, lots of people involved in sport, really affordable and top quality. Thanks for joining us, Wilkie. Anyone who wants to find out more can go and have a play on their website at core-37.com or they can reach out directly to Tom at core-37.com. Um, we, yeah, we still a lot of your stuff, reflection <laughs> stuff, you know, about changing pictures, um, challenging behaviours. So if we're walking around on a Sunday here, um, I won't mention the age group, but we see them doing, they're allowed to do 15 minutes worth of contact in there. You know, just did Laws Rugby and the first session back, you got a load of lads stood, you know, with tackle shields hitting you going, what are they doing? You know, um, and just having those conversations on Sunday. So we're, you know, me being in place, there is that, that pair of eyes and a voice within the club where I can go around and go, well, it's, you know, it's it's eight degrees and, glad, you know, they've been locked up behind screens for the last, you know, however many months. Let's, let's get them into a game. Come on, let's do it. Let's go. Let's play. Let's play. Let's play. Excuse me. Um, and then that sort of, you know, changing the way our coaches think here. I think there's a, a lot of buy into that. Um, coach education, a lot of the volunteer dads and mums on a Sunday the great age groups are the, are the, are the age groups who have to- totally bought into the process of coach education, um, acknowledging how, um, you know, the, the teenage brain works in terms of development and everything else and behaviours around that. You know, we all know 13, 14, 15 year old lads do not say much on a rugby, on a rugby pitch. You ask them a question, you get a load of silence more often than not. So how do you get into their brains so we've got some, again, I, I, I'm going to mention Cuth, under-16s this year, going into under-17s. Um, he's got his headbands and he's got his, you know, got it all. But he, listen, he's, he's an ex-first 15 player. Oh, you know, you could e- easily label him with being old school for the era he played. Um, but he's probably the most one of the most open, forward-thinking coaches we've got here. Don't, and gets it. So if we had... Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's... It's about conversations, isn't it? Am I right all the time? Of course I'm not. It's about drawing out. Yeah, we're fortunate. We're, yeah, we've got some very, we've got some very, there's lots of letters behind people's names who are, who are volunteer coaches here on Sundays just because of where we are. Um, so it's getting those, that sort of intelligence levels and, and having that, you know, out into, into conversations. So, mate, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure. To, I mean, I've, I've got a very positive relationship with, with, I would say, all of them. They might tell you otherwise, but. Um, yeah, and, the set, and I was thinking also about the schools. So obviously we went and spent a bit of time at Fulham School for Boys. Big shout out to their new building, by the way. And um, yeah, no, like, uh, yeah, just State school part of Fulham on a Fulham on the Fulham High Road. Who, who'd have thought, eh? Yeah, <laughs> your, just your relationship with the coaches there, and I guess your, you know, uh, again when you're going into some of these state schools, like how are you supporting the coaches and? How thankful are they? And yeah, what's your experiences of that? So year one, going back to when we started here, 2017, you, you know, you pick up the phone to, or you get a conversation, go with the head of PE in a state school. You know, you'll say, you know, talk about 
rugby. Fortunately, obviously, we're you know, in the shadows of Twickenham and you know, the home of rugby. A lot of the sex schools around here were already doing some sort of rugby. Um, there's also a lot of there was a lot of competition. There's a lot of competition for other community programs. Um, so they some of them hadn't had some great experiences with bringing in outside coaches. The fact we've got this USP about having a high standard of player who's also a coach to go in and assist the school program is a massive factor um, because that level of, of, of knowledge about the game versus that coaching ability. Um, so going into year five, so we're at, we're at a stage now where our two key state schools, our coaches are running their own sessions for them. They're turning up, they're actually not assisting a PE teacher. They've been given a whole group of, of uh, students to, to coach themselves and build those relationships with. Other times we are yeah, help develop the, the PE stuff. So we'll we'll do um, some you know some, some CPD stuff with them like you guys do. Um, trying to upskill them. Um, girls rugby is a big one for me. I mean we don't do huge amounts of it, and I like to be doing more of it. But all of a sudden I've got a conversation going with one of our state schools in Twickenham going, let's do you know let's do the girls. Well yeah, hang on. I've been talking about it for four years. Why didn't we do the girls year one? But anyway, here we are. We're, we're you know. Um, so, yeah, and, and as a result of that, we naturally pick up kids who, so year seven in state school, you know, some of these schools here got, you know, 1,600, 1,700, 1,800 kids in, there, you know, in total. So year seven school, year seven's coming in, there might be four or five classes. How many of those kids are at a rugby club? Less than 10%, I'd say. Maybe a bit more, some of them, but... um. So all those other kids, were the old, their only experience of rugby was maybe doing a bit of tag rugby at primary school. So it's a, that is a massive window of opportunity to bring kids into the sport. Um, that, and then at the top end of school life, you know, when sixth form, you know, goes on and there's all those, some clubs struggle to get to, to field under 17, under 18 teams. Um, we also tend to pick up players around that period as well. Um, but it's really that, that gap in between year seven, so eights, nines, tens, elevens, really tough to recruit. Uh, players to play on the weekend, really hard. Sounds like you're, sounds like you're busy. Sounds like I was definitely thinking like lots of this stuff will be like you wouldn't necessarily have a plan at the start of the year and it's going to go to plan. Actually, you suddenly start to explore some other avenues, which led on to my third question that came about from the start, which is like, Funding. So if I was a club and I was going like, okay, this sounds awesome. Like yeah. there's some stuff we can do here that's that's going to change some lives, which is quite frankly what I see you getting most excited about. Yeah, like, yeah. What's um, like, how do you, how do you access funding? How does that stuff work? Well, it's, you've got to be, um, so the, the community group. Apart, from, apart from being a used car salesman who has the gift of the gap. <laughs> Mate, you don't have a conversation. You have to fill out forms. I promise you. <laughs> you have to put your gift you have onto, onto, onto black and white. It, uh, it, it, listen, there's money out there. Um, Sport England, you know, National Lottery, um, all sorts of... Uh, and then smaller charities. I mean, you know, the way the world's been, that those monies aren't quite... Figured. A lot of local authority money is out there to try and get, again, recognition between sort of positive mental health and, you know, um, sport... Um, it's a big, it's a big chunk of time is invested into it. We probably get more income from charitable grants than we do from schools actually paying us to go in now. Um, and it's that, it's that, it's, 
it's like a kid coming out of school and trying to get a job without having any experience. When you go to a funder initially and go, we want to do this, this is the kids that we're going to engage with and we think this is going to be the outcome. At first, they're all going to go, well, you've got no proof. How are you going to do that? Hmm. So I think my advice to anybody would be is throw mud at the wall with it, apply, 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 apply. When you get one, whatever it may be, whether it's a teenage mental health, uh, we're doing, we've just got somebody from National Lottery to go out to two state schools who don't have funding to bring allow us to come in. Uh, we'll be in there 30 weeks next year for September, pretty much the whole academic year. It will be very rugby-centric, but it will be trying to engage with kids who wouldn't ordinarily go, do you want to go and play rugby after school? It would be, be in curriculum. So my advice to anybody is, if you apply for funding, apply for lots of it. Initially, when you get it, you can you prove the outcomes. Other funders then look at proof of proof of ability and the rest cascades. It's almost like a you know a snowball effect. So um, Feltham is not is not funded by the prison. It never has been. They haven't got any money for it. I'm told. 120 grand a year. food now <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tar- Tar- don't get me started on the government but uh, and again like i know you've been doing some stuff with uh, getting computers as well for the kids and like oh, that was it was another mad one so again i'm sat at home christmas time government announced schools are shutting we were aware in the summer in the sorry in the spring lockdown of last year that there was a real there's a real problem with digital divide you know kids getting online um, you know, my, my kids already had a, always had a laptop. I'm assuming yours probably did when they were schooling and everything else. Um, but it, equally, I'm also a person where, you know, I've got tech at home, but I've also got tech under in the spare room, which has been sat there for, I replaced it two, three years ago, and I didn't know what to do with it, so it was still sat in a box, you know. Um, so we went, right, let's just get our community gazebo out of the entrance of the club put out a call via social media of other council saying, can we have your second-hand laptops and tablets? Um, coincidentally, a player here at the club works for a tech refurb company um, called uh, Veritas Digital, based up in Stevenage. Um, now, they basically said, well, look, we'll, we'll actually refurb anything with anything newer than Vista or XP. I mean, in Vista and XP, you couldn't do anything with them. Um, but anything newer than that, we can put windows on them and we'll charge you a nominal fee. We, in fact, it will cost us money. How many, think, how many do you think you're going to get? And I went, well, oh, not it. Like, let's just put it out there and see what happens. I said, what, what 30? Maybe 50? Over a couple of weeks? I don't know. Um, at the end of it, over a 1,000 laptops and tablets. Get another learning curve. I was getting iPad, iPad ones, right? Absolutely useless uh, in terms of homeschooling. Um, the ones with the bigger plug thing, you know. Uh, I think I've had so many donated. I think we could have built a house with them. Um, but those ended up going off to a, a a charity which supplies tech to old people's home. So you got an old, you know, somebody in an old people's home or a hospice just needs to get online and do an email. Then, yeah, we've got a load of, load of iPads which they we could have done that, but they, you couldn't get Google Classrooms on them and you couldn't get Teams on it. 
So we ended up giving out, I mean, a lot of it was rubbish, a lot of it was refurbed, a lot of it was some of the really nice stuff, no, no offence to school kids, but when you get like a three-year-old MacBook Pro donated, and this is like <laughs> Richmond, <laughs> this is Richmond for you, um, you know, we wholesaled some of those, we put money back in the pot to pay for the refurbishment and da-da-da-da-da. We end up with a little bit of money left over. We can now actually go out to schools who've got no money and go, hey, you know, we gave you some laptops. Well, can we come and do some rugby with you? But well, we'll do it for free. And it's been like a self-fulfilling prophecy that is, I mean, again, just mind-blowing. Just amazing. Um, 55 schools had, had laptops. 55 schools locally. Mate, you are the ultimate used car dealer. Crossed <laughs> with community manager. Like you are buying from here. Selling from the... Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, you know, I need a Robin and Ryan band, don't I, I think? <laughs> Not that Delboy was a car dealer, but yeah, the wheeling dealer. Listen, it's just, it's battle actual thinking, Russ, you know? How do we... I had no idea on the 4th of January how this was going to work. We just jumped with both feet and went, let's do it. But in fact, nobody did, I did. I, I, just, I, I got hold of the, the, the finance director and went, this is what we're going to do. And he went, oh, okay, then fine. Um, and off we went and it, yeah it's just a massive point. It, equally it could have completely failed and fell on its face but the goodwill generated so we're now in two or three schools who had laptops and we're doing after school tag rugby some primary schools uh, the goodwill it generated for the club is huge absolutely massive um, which opens other doors about doing other stuff so conversations about I'm now certainly youth justice board in the borough about talk about county lines activity within the town you know and you know, trying to stop drug dealers coming in you know, selling or try to groom kids into either selling it or, buy, or buying it. Nothing to do with rugby again, but it's, you can associate, you attach sports to these sort of conversations with kids and it, it sort of, you know, hopefully you'll get some positive outcomes. And what, what's, been the, what's been the feedback you're kind of most proud of? What, what have you heard from people? Uh, it's been really humbling. You know, it's, I, it talks about, it talks about you know, mental health. I mean, people have suffered massively through the weirdest of 18 months we've had in there, you know, and, and, and kids especially. So, so the academic, we've got a Rhino Rugby Community Award, which was great, you know, recognition for what we've done. I mean, we've got Richmond Council put us, you know, here at like a local heroes award, which was, which was, which was again, not what it's about. It was about just coming across people. So if you're out, if you're out in the town and, you know, we're, now we're allowed to socialise, you, you have to do the day, which is like, had a bit of Richmond stash. I was having a beer after work, you know, just on down over here. And someone came up and went, oh, you're the people who did the laptops, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also, you got a conversation with someone you never would have had a conversation with previously. Um, the gratitude from the parents, you know, so you go into a house where they can't afford to, and at the end of the summer last year, and there was one house where they could, they could come and collect from us up at the car park where we were based some of our volunteers. And then on the last day, there was a box of Quality Street left out. I'm saying, thanks so much. And all those moaners and groaners sort of went, mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, It's just a bit great. Look, for, personally, for my own sort of well-being, knowing that there were some kids who can educate Karen with their education and have got food in their bellies, you know, well, you know, challenge anybody not to, not to get a, a positive vibe off the back of that. You know, um, yeah, mate, you've been releasing all the best stuff in your body, all the chemicals, all the oxytocin, all that good stuff, rather than the uh, rather than the cortisol and the stuff that gets released when you're selling cars. What I mean, if, if I'm gonna, you know, if there's one thing you like, 
when you're talking about how it makes you like feel, if you go, there's this one moment. What is the one moment? The one moment. So I'm going to go back to the Felton thing. So a lad called Jack. He's down in Portsmouth. He's not. He's two years out from being in there. Um, we try and say, we we have to put the onus on the individual to come back to us if they want to con continue with stuff. And I took him to. It's really early, but I took him down to the stoop to watch season before, so not the current seasons, obviously, been no crowds, but season before last to watch um, Quinn's, Sarri's. Um, and we walked back to the station, and he turned around to me, he went, Dom, he says, I, you know, the, the, he says, I can't tell you this how, not, I'm not you're only thankful for today, but the, the opportunity you, you gave me, and never, and uh, yeah, and he messed up actually. He, came, he, he went back, he was out on license, he got involved in a fight in a nightclub, he ended up back inside for six weeks he thought his world was going to end again and he didn't he didn't want to tell me about it um i found out through his parole team and um he said you've never judged me and i said well who am i to judge you you'll have you know i could probably tell you some sort of you know misdemeanors i, I got up to when i was you know your sort of age and you know the fact i'm not saying i broke necessarily broke the law but you know I was, you know, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story. Just as so happens, so happened your story. You went down an extreme road, and it, here you are being, you know, humble and thankful about it. So, mate, long answer to your question, but that, that was the one of the best moments in the last four or five years, without a doubt. Yeah, mate, I'm buzzing just thinking about it. To be honest, I mean, uh, yeah, mate. Look, and 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 thanks for jumping on. Um, Pleasure. I mean, it's. Like hanging out with you is like gives me energy, and um, oh, people, it was, man. sometimes people would say I would give people energy, but I, I love the stuff you're doing. I love how passionate you are about it. And again, I, I like I know I reference like midlife crisis a lot. I'm not saying you're having a midlife crisis, but I think you've discovered like the stuff that kind of gives you a buzz in life, which is oh, really helpful. Yeah, mate, it's all it's all about the kids, you know. Yeah. Children of the future. Let the boys play. Let the girls play. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it will change. It just changes people's lives. You know. Don't ever think anybody listens to this that your impact as a coach on a Sunday, whether you're a volunteer, dad, mum, whatever, you're a role model. You know. And it's easy to take that for granted when you do it week and week out. It's four degrees in February, but the impact you're having on those kids' lives is huge. So and, and then opening doors to other kids who could have that same experience. I think everybody should look look for that somewhere in their clubs and their and whatever they do, whether it's rugby, whether it's football, hockey, whatever. You know, I think sport can change people's lives categorically. And if, um, and if, and if people are thinking about some stuff and have some questions for you, is there, a, is there a place that can reach out to you? You're on TikTok or Instagram or... I, my, dog, my dog and my cat have got a TikTok page. I don't. <laughs> um, you could try that, but no, I won't give that one out. This, I'm, I'm probably uh, email or... Oh no, Twitter's a good one. So um, just just search my name. I'm not a John Smith, so it wouldn't be that difficult to find yeah, me. There wouldn't be too many um, Palacios about. It's at, it's at Don Palacio on Twitter, and then um, yeah, I mean, my email address is is Don P at RichmondFC.co.uk, not RFC FC. Um, yeah, reach out. Listen, yeah, we'll share the love. <laughs> right, legends. Thank you so much. Have a have a cool day. And I'll catch you soon. Cheers, Rust.